This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Eternals. The movie or the TV show? <laughs> what TV show? I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! I've been here for 700 years. Out Now is a film podcast, which has been around for considerably less, but it is <laughs> a show where we discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies that are most responsible for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some about the other fun movie topic. This is episode 476. 476. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> that's not all. <laughs> And uh, this week we're talking Marvel's Eternals, the 26th entry in the MCU. And uh, remember how we started this podcast and there was only three entries in the MCU? Yeah, and we did we did uh, uh, one of the best ones, Thor. Take that, everybody else. But then we did one of our favorite ones, Captain America. So, I mean, yeah. it kind of worked out. Anyway, we're talking Eternals. That's the episode this week. And joining us to do such a thing we have from That's It L.A., He's been instructed not to interfere unless deviants are involved, so it's a good thing Abe is here. It's Michael Lee. Hello. Also joining us, Tony Award-winning producer and host on the YouTube channel Off the Rails. He would sacrifice a celestial for the people of this planet, or at least some of them. It's Maxwell Hatted. Hello, everyone. It's such a pleasure to be back. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit for both you guys. I like you guys. I, I was I was like Maxwell. I know we've been trying to make something work for a while, uh, and then Mike. For whatever reason, you have not been on the show since we talked Minari back in February. So I'm like, why is this yeah, been the thing? I, I don't know. But this is also my first Marvel show, I think. Ooh. Well, there you go. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> we're just, we're so, bra- just like Eternals, we're breaking down all kinds of barriers this week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, it, it, I, I am happy to have both of you guys here. We are ready to do this show and have a lot of fun talking about a variety of things. But before we do all that, for some reason I have a phrase it that way because apparently it's a big bummer to go over to show notes. Um, so here's the show notes for this week. Um, let's see. Bonus shows. Abe and I have been knocking out some Knights episodes. Nice. Thank you. And uh, this week, we did a Ridley Scott's Last Duel, and we just now released an episode for Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Uh, so feel free to take those in. We wanted to make sure we got you know coverage on those movies because they're worth talking about, and we didn't want to just talk about them quickies. So feel free, Indeed. be sure to, to catch those. They're a lot of fun. Just Abe and I just talking for an hour. Gabbing. About, yeah, we're, we're just gabbing. It's basically like the old school format of this show. No guests and mostly review. <laughs> so. Right to the meat. Exactly, right to the, exactly, right to the meat. No buns. Hashtag no buns. Yeah. Unless they're Hawaiians. <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about? Uh, that Those uh, bonus shows, which are available on iTunes, where you can also search for our show in general I, and give us some iTunes series ratings. Th- those would be, that'd be great. If you log on iTunes, search for Out Now, Throwing Your Name, be like, wow, there are those two At Nights episodes, just like they said. Also, there's a bunch of other stuff. Also, you can give us a rating review, which would be great. Give us all the five stars. Thank you. You know, you you think I'd write something down or something for the, no, the it's iTunes? When you freelance it's it, it's yeah. way, it's way better when I freelance. Way better. Yeah. Clearly, we're just like I don't know what we're talking about here, but let's keep going with it. <laughs> if I if I just wind myself up and do, do a long spiel about iTunes and ratings, it eventually gets there. So. It wouldn't organically give us the whole entire like. You should just give us your favorite recipe. <laughs> if you actually got the favorite recipe on the iTunes review, like if someone logged on, is like, you know what? They've been freewheeling this pitch for getting iTunes reviews for a long time now. I guess I'll give them my famous stew recipe. That'd right. be a great result yeah. of this. We still haven't gotten anyone's favorite math equation either, so. <laughs> 
the Pythagorean fans are just not around as they used to be. But anyway, it's too simple, man. <laughs> Simple's not always bad, Dave. Yeah, this is true. This I mean, is true. What's wrong with a turkey sandwich? Unless the turkey's dry, like in the Simpsons Halloween episode. <laughs> gotcha a, there. That's a risk you have to take sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> the turkey's just just right. Maxwell and uh, and Michael are just like, what is happening right now? Don't try to throw them into this. Try to get <laughs> <I know>. out. <laughs> you can keep going. We can keep going. Let's do it. I'm just along for the ride. It's all good. <laughs> right. I just heard turkey sandwiches, so it's like, all right, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving turkey, turkey sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah, there you go. All right. Not a else? sponsor. <laughs> what else? Uh, new commentary track. It is a new month. It's November, which means that we will have a new commentary track for the month. We have some ideas for now, but just know they'll it'll be coming soon. So stay tuned. And uh, that's it for show notes. So let's move on now. Let's uh, let's get some out of quickies. Trademark. Each week, not only we we like we like we like we like we like Abe, what have you what have you seen recently? I, in the spirit of getting ready for Thanksgiving, watched uh, a Charlie Brown uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> so a quick a quick little twenty minute video. A little early. Get me the holiday. What's up? A little early. Okay. A little early, yeah. But you know, just the way that I I tried to extend out Halloween by uh, this year, starting to watch like almost something related to Halloween every day, every week. Um, I wanted to do the same for Thanksgiving, but you know the selections are. I, I was gonna, I, I'm definitely going to need a log of all these options that you find. <laughs> I was like, I think there might be some horror movies related to a, a turkey killing everybody, uh, but I have not watched that. There, there's just um, like there's a trailer for Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, <laughs> which I did not watch. <laughs> but I I have been watching, I guess that. Um, I also uh, have kept up with um, Succession season three. Very excellent. You should check that out if you have not. And then I also watched um, another HBO sh- series. Uh, what's the one with with um, Hacks? That's a really good series. Oh, yeah. Check it Hacks. out. With HBO Max. Gene Smart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with Gene Smart. She's fantastic in it. Fantastic in it. Um, but yeah, check out check out Hacks. Uh, they're all like 30-minute episodes and pretty short, but very good. Like, well-written and also what they're talking about with the subject matter, I would agree with it in terms of stand-up comedy and also your career in, in, uh, in show business. Um, it's very well done. So some emotional episodes. All right. Uh, let's go to Maxwell. Maxwell, what have you seen recently? Uh, I caught up on, on two movies that opened earlier in the month, uh, last night in Soho and the French dispatch. I did not care for last night in Soho at all. Um, but I did love the French dispatch. It's Wes Anderson. That is most Wes Anderson. And I find that delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of TV, I've also been keeping up with Succession, and I finally finished uh, Only Murders in the Building, which is just fantastic. Oof. Yeah, I got to finish that. Great. Yeah, great. Michael, how about you? Uh, well, I sort of went along the same route as Abe, but I watched, I went like even further ahead. I watched, what is that, the Mickey Mouse uh, Christmas Carol, which is <laughs> surprisingly darker than I thought it would be at first. Like, wow. Yeah, that, that that I I I used to own that on VHS back in the day. So, but um, in terms of other movies I've watched, I just got out watching King Richard, and what was that? I also watched um, rewatched Eternal just for funsies, and in terms of TV, Succession as well. <laughs> it just seems to be on the on, ongoing theme here on this show, I guess, just Succession. But yeah. Well, I guess I'll add that I watched Succession 2, just to be cool. Four for four, baby. <laughs> I was yeah. hoping that we were going to be 100% here. Well, like, Maxwell was fortunately, like, one minute late, which means that I was able to finish this week's episode of Succession. So I might be further <laughs> than you are, Abe. Right yes, yeah, I have, not, I have not seen uh, episode four. Uh, but I've seen a few things. 
Uh, I watched um, Spencer, a.k.a. The Legend mm-hmm. of Diana, Twilight Princess, um, but we will talk about that in a different episode. Um, but I did see a few other things that came out. Uh, first is Finch. This is the Tom Hanks film that's on Apple TV+. Oh. Plus. It's directed by... Um... Oh, that's bothering me. Trying to look it up as quickly as possible here. Miguel Sapachnik, there it is. I was like, there you go. It's like, it's not, it's not Michael. Uh, but yeah, uh, he does, he's done a lot of some of the key Game of Thrones episodes, but he, uh, made this movie with Tom Hanks, which is him being the last man on earth. Um, and he builds a robot because he, he needs, he needs a robot for a specific reason. Uh, and they go on a road trip together. Uh, the robot is played by Caleb Landry Jones and, uh, it's, a... so it's, so it's really mean and, and sometimes kind of racist. Uh, no, but it's surprisingly not sweaty at all. That that's that that was <laughs> yeah, the thing. That was the it's, it's a very dry robot, which was uh, which makes sense because the world has ended for reasons right. related to the sun. Uh, but um, <laughs> I I thought this movie was uh pretty good. I I feel like it's I feel like there's something missing there that kind of doesn't help put it over the top. It feels like it's been turned into something from what it might have used to be based on just things that seem extraneous that are going on. Yeah. In it. But uh, Hanks is very good, as one would expect from a movie that's all about Hanks. And Caleb Randy Jones does a good job as the robot. So, I, uh, cool. I, for a movie that's on Apple, that once again another movie that, once again another Tom Hanks movie that was going to go to theaters that was turned into an Apple release. Uh, this it was decent enough uh, for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, between this and Greyhound and News of the World, Tom Hanks is getting a lot out of being like doing a lot quiet, quieter yeah. characters that are somewhat introverted and doing very much a lot of it on their own with like occasional interference from others. Um, he's, he's making that work. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw Red Notice. This is the the new action film featuring The Rock, featuring Dwayne Johnson. Ooh. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, featuring. <laughs> Featuring Wayne the D is silent drop the Rock Johnson. Um uh Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. It's directed by Ross and Marshall Thurber, who directed The Rock in Central Intelligence and Skyscraper. Uh this is a very bad movie. <laughs> this is, oh this, no. It's, it's um uh, awful is the word I would use to describe it actually. Yeah. It, it's uh it's a real shame. I I I feel like you could easily do something with, you know, big stars and an adventure movie about heisting and, you know, what have you. And it's just kind of what I expected based off the trailers. It just, it's it's all about the star persona and there's just mm-hmm. nothing witty about it underneath. So if, if it's just trading quips for over two hours because it needed to be this long, um, but there's just not really anything there. And it's directed by Ross and Marshall, Ross, bleh, Ross and Marshall uh-huh. Thurber, who... Uh, not my favorite uh, as far as these kind of directors go and they gave him 200 million dollars and it's one of the Oof. ugliest 200 million dollar movies I've ever seen so uh... i was gonna ask you is there a saving grace that it's less than two hours and you're like nope nope it's over two, two hours in a, in a very ugly movie <laughs> so yeah it was there i mean i assume like 60 of that is the three star salaries but even <laughs> even then it's still uh, I, I was gonna take the points but they didn't want me there's a lot of like you know, throw the actors in front of something, and then they turn into CG as they fall off something, and it's like this is this shouldn't be this obvious. <laughs> like this is like we are. That just makes me laugh. We are very past ridiculous. the point where we should be noticing the seams in some of this stuff, but uh-huh. ooh, it is not. Like I'm glad I just. I, I don't like. I feel like it'd play worse in a the theater than on my TV. So I I, yeah. I don't know what that experience is like. But well, it's no Dune, huh? It's it's no Dune, correct? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, on the plus side, though, because I wanted it's on the positive, I finally finished Midnight Mass. This was the Mike, oh, Mike yeah. Flanagan Ooh. horror series, his latest one after his Two Haunting series. This is another, it's a seven episode series. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to dig into like what it's about exactly because I think there's a lot of surprise going on there. But I will just say I really enjoyed this. Uh, okay. I think it it's as much about faith as it is about as it is about it being a horror thing. And I really like the conversations that it opens up and tries to explore in its own complicated way. Uh, I'm not going to say it's like the best thing I've ever seen on TV, but I do think it's there's so much going for it. And even without the horror elements, I do think there's a lot of just strong work all around as far as the atmosphere and the acting and, and the writing. Like some of it does devolve into people giving monologues, but they're pretty good monologues. So, I mean, it's 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 strong stuff. So for those that like Mike, Mike Lanigan's kind of brand of, uh, how he's been doing horror, especially on Netflix. Um, this I think is a really strong uh, part of that. So three for three for you uh, on uh, three for, yeah. I really I mean I really like Haunting and Hill House and Bly Manor. So I uh, yeah yeah. Maxwell, did you watch Midnight Mass? I know you watched the other haunting shows, I believe. I did. I'm I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan. I think he is so smart in his horror. I liked it a lot. It is a lot of monologuing, mm-hmm. but it was always interesting and the performances were great. It's definitely a thinker, but I mean that in the best way. Raul Coley is just like, I love this guy. The more work he gets, the happier I am. Yeah, he's a he's a terrific part of the show for sure. And he actually is a part of some of the conversations I really liked. But it made me think, because you and I, you know, we're, we're both the, of the chosen. We're both Jews. And it's a, you know, it's a show about faith and Catholicism and what have you. Like, and there's, I'm just... I, I was just curious. I, I remember we, I think we talked about silence, like back when that came out. And I, I we I, did, yeah. And I remember, I believe you had some struggles in dealing just because of a relation aspect to like the material. But here, it's pretty specific as far as what it's trying to do. And I was just, I was just curious. Yeah, I had, I had no issues with its, its, you know, religious content. I've always liked religious horror, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really fascinating, and this is a really smart sort of modern approach to that subgenre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I just thought it was interesting, so I, I wanted. I was curious if you saw it too. Um, so yeah, uh, that's enough quickies. Sure, Mike. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. This is where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, when it's coming out, and what have you. This week we're talking Moonfall. This is the upcoming disaster film from Disaster Maestro director Roland Emmerich. This time around, he has a cast that includes Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Michael Pena, Donald Sutherland. The story. <laughs> The story is this. Yes. <laughs> a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. With mere weeks before impact and the world on the brink of annihilation, NASA executive and former astronaut Joe Fowler is convinced she has the key to saving us all, but only one astronaut from her past, Brian Harper, and conspiracy theorist Casey Houseman believe her. These unlikely heroes will mount an impossible last-ditch mission into space, leaving behind everyone they love, only to find out that our own moon is not what we think it is. Ruh, row. <laughs> that is such a great logline. <laughs> yeah. It's a great description in general, too. Um, Michael, I'm jumping to you. What, what are your thoughts on this this trailer for Moonfall? I, I, I've just given up on, on anything Emmerich in general, because I, I, I just don't... I, I anything past uh, Independence Day is just like okay, it's it's just the same sort of sluggish, uh, apocalyptic sort of uh, cinematic event thing that's going on, and I just I'm not as interested in it anymore. Um, even with this whole the moon is not 
what they expect it to be a thing. It's just like, okay, I I just I just can't gravitate it towards it anymore. Ah, just... Good one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in there, but I mean the the cast seems nice. You got Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, and uh, John Bradley from uh, what was that uh, Game of Thrones, and it's just I I, I don't know. They 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 the whole element of um not knowing what the moon is does provide this like horror slant i I guess but just in general i've been so bummed out by what eric emmerich has been offering as of late it's just like yeah i I can't jump into it anymore maxwell how about you it looks like my kind of bullshit i can't wait (laughs) (laughs) like emmerich has made a lot of terrible movies but then ever so often he makes one where i'm like this is so dumb put it in my veins um, and this seems like one of those movies. I can't wait. I'm going opening night with a giant tub of All popcorn right. and a, hopefully on an IMAX screen. And the dumber and louder, the better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Abe? Maxwell, you almost took the words exactly out of my mouth. I was <laughs> like, you know what? This first trailer is fine. And then I watched the second trailer because it came up uh, during my, my viewing of Eternals. And I was like, this second trailer is, whoa, it's an action movie. And I just hope that they drive into the camp factor, and I hope that they drive into, like, the most ridiculous things. Like, I don't even care if all of a sudden, for whatever reason, Holly Berry knows how to code perfectly. Or, like, Patrick Wilson knows how to code perfectly. I mean, they're I astronauts. Would love they probably do know how to code. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what if they, like, all of a sudden, like, had to do other ridiculous things? That would be the best. Like, buy into the camp. Make this a fun movie. I love a good, like, trashy uh, end of the world kind of movie. It is fantastic. But the second trailer really did sell me much more than the first one. Cause like, Oh, there's, you know, some, some good action beats here with like the, the three, uh, leads. Um, so I'm looking forward to it and I hope that it delivers. There's a line late that there's a series. There's like a d- exchange late in the trailer where it's John Bradley saying like, are we dead? And Patrick Wills is like, no, we're just inside of the moon. <laughs> and John Bradley says that might be the greatest sentence anyone's ever said. <laughs> Sign me up for this right away. <laughs> like, why is this not coming out three months earlier? Um, why is this um, not shot with IMAX cameras? I don't know the answers to those questions, but uh, that's I, I I need this movie in my life. <laughs> like, I I completely agree with, with Michael as far as and Maxwell. There's there are bad Emmerich movies that have happened. For sure, um, he has made some bad ones, but when he hits the rare times that he really does, uh, I tend to really like it. Um, I guess the hope I have is that the spectacle aspect feels unique. I mean, one of my main issues with Independence Day, the second one, Resurgence, uh, was that it just it, it was doing something that didn't feel unfamiliar compared to when the first Independence Day came out. Mm-hmm. Like having the latest and greatest effects means little when all of the movies around it also have the latest and greatest effects. Mm-hmm. I don't think Moon Moonfall is going to you know reinvent anything. But if it, based off the premise this thing has, I can only hope that it finds a way to deliver on that in a way that, you know, <laughs> is obviously going to be ridiculous because every Emmerich film is ridiculous to begin with. You're telling me he didn't rebuild the moon, Aaron? Come on. I don't, maybe he had a moon set somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. How big, how big is Atlanta anyway? <laughs> maybe they have a whole moon. <laughs> how big's Pinewood? Probably. <laughs> probably it's probably pretty large. Yeah. Um, pretty large. But yeah, I mean. Between this pretty stacked cast and this premise, yeah, I sign me up. I'm ready for it. I, I wish it was coming <laughs> sooner. I'm more excited about this than some Oscar contenders that are already. When does it come out? Uh, Moonfall arrives in theaters February 4th. That's too far away. 2022. Yeah. 
So you got some time. You got some time to wait. Yeah. All scary right. premise though. Scary premise. Yeah. I, I, as a kid, I would be very worried. I mean, I just hope that there's cheese inside of the moon. <laughs> Wallace and Gromit show up. That'd be the best. I, I just want to say one last thing. I think they sort of missed the mark with the tagline a little bit. It should have been more like, in the 60s, we first step, man first stepped foot on the moon. In 2022, the moon will step foot on man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It is some variation of that, but I think they that could have done been it one, one step better. Excellent. All right. Now, let's get to our main review for Eternals. We're Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago to protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos or any war or all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? to find the others okay that should have been some of the trailer for eternals as we proceed further into phase four of the mcu with plans to embrace new characters as well as the cosmic side of the marvel universe jack kirby fans should be happy producer kevin feige has pulled out the stops for another obscure group of superheroes the eternals a group of immortal beings with various superpowers for them to use against the deviants that threaten earth bringing this film to life marvel tapped oscar-winning director chloe Zhao along with a stacked cast that includes Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Kit Harington, Kumail Nanjani, Brian Tyree Henry, Lauren Ridloff, Tom Lee, and Barry Keegan. Between all of these superpowers and superstardom, it seems like various assurances were in place to deliver a diverse and ambitious entry into the MCU. And yet, it would appear some have been less favorable to embrace change. Or is this just too much ambition? Maxwell, how do you feel about Eternals? It's interesting. So I, I like this movie, um, and I, it's it's been an interesting phenomenon where the more I think and talk about it, the more I like it. I think ambitious is a great word because it definitely takes some big swings. I keep saying that in terms of tone and style and even structure, it really doesn't feel like much else in the MCU. Like Chloe Jaw, and I loved her, her last two films, The Rider and Nomadland. Her stamp is very much on this movie. It's more deliberately paced. It's more thoughtful than uh, a lot of other MCU movies. It almost plays at times like a Greek myth as opposed to a superhero movie. But in all of that ambition and all those lofty goals, it is messy at times. It makes some structural choices that gives a little whiplash. I want to see it again, but I did like it. And I think it's one of those movies where if I see it another time or two, I'm going to end up liking it more because there are so many strong elements in there. And if it doesn't fully coalesce as a home run at the end, I don't even mind because I'm going to always advocate for ambition as opposed to more of the same. All right. Michael, how about you? What did you think of Eternals? Uh, I would have to agree along the lines of Maxwell. I would prefer to see my uh, Marvel movies do something different, um, especially after 25 films. Where we went on about how this is the 26th. So, you know, we've seen all these heroes assemble together. We've seen the uh, heroes with the daddy issues, but this one seems fully uh, different in terms of what 
it wants the themes that they're exploring within the you know the humanity within these cosmic beings and how what what choices they have to make um in terms of how they interact with humans and how that makes them more humane than than they are with their godly like powers so i i i appreciate what um marvel tried to do uh, it, it was a bit messy and i could see how there may have been some conflict in terms of like uh, how how it was executed because you could see it was Chloe Zhao movie, but it was also I uh, had to be confined within the Marvel sandbox, so to speak. Uh, but still, I, overall, I, I I appreciated what they did and I liked it a lot. And I can't wait to see if uh, Kevin Feige got the. I got the letter that she wants to direct the Star Wars movie, I guess. All right. Abe, where are you with Eternals? Uh, Eternals is an interesting movie because of everything that Maxwell and Michael pointed out. Uh, I do think that it is ambitious. It has a lot of really interesting ideas that uh, that Chloe's trying to explore, and she has like a written credit on here too. Um, and I don't know if it's story by credit, but definitely the written credit. And I think that it really comes off as a movie that is trying to – I guess going to a different direction, the direction that, that Marvel is trying to get into away from the Captain Rogers and the uh, Tony Starks uh, and moving into other characters that we haven't really seen. But like what Maxwell and, and Michael mentioned, it is kind of it kind of fumbles from time to time. Um, and I think that that really is a problem because it didn't really give me a cohesive story that I could follow along with. I definitely agree with Maxwell that I am going to see this a second time. And I wonder if like the second viewing really helps out. Um, but on first watch, I think that it is a well-done, ambitious idea. The execution of it could be a little bit better. And as we get into it, I would love to explore the themes in here because I think that Chloe is just putting in a ton of themes of that we've seen in other sci-fi movies as well and trying to build this world. But unfortunately, it doesn't really come together as quickly or as maybe cohesively as, as maybe I, I would have thought that it would have, um, considering that we've seen Dune recently and also we've also seen... Um, uh, something like the Guardians movies where those were uh, sort of like a random family that grows on you and then you all of a sudden learn to care for them. Like I think some of the character driven things of this movie are are not super well suited for like a two hour some odd movie because there's like 10 new characters that I have to explore. But uh, I definitely thought that it was an entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is well welcomed. And that is, you know, to the point of Maxwell and, and Michael again. We shouldn't be looking for the same types of movies over and over and over again, like try and challenge yourself kind of thing. And I'm glad that this one did, um, but it probably just stumbled a little bit for, for me. I, I'm not too far off from any of you guys. I think the movie is strong when it's at its when it's at its best. That's an easy way to say mm -hmm. it. But I do think the, the highs of this movie are some of the best stuff that this franchise has offered. Um, I just find it a shame that there are elements where it's just it's less – uh, secure in what it's trying to do and largely that becomes because of the you know the marvel stuff that that it kind of needs to have in order to make it kind of gel with the rest of its universe and just stock superhero things that take control over time it's not like i don't need action scenes or you know comedic relief in these movies that's i mean they're they're, they're movies about funny books that are live action like yes make it fun like i don't understand <laughs> I, don't, I don't not need that but there's i guess it's not the most elegant in trying to like balance all those all, all those aspects all the time um which isn't too much of a shit like a problem because i do like this movie you know plenty um 
I do think the 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 choices it makes as far as how to deliver both a lot of exposition, which there is a lot of, but also just the ideas in place. Um, I found that all to be pretty fascinating. I really liked the world that they set up here as far as explaining who the Eternals are, why they're here, who they serve, and what have you. I really liked all of that stuff, especially when you learn more about their overall objectives and what that basically means for humanity. Uh, I, I, I really like films that deal with scale and deal with how how small we are compared to the entire galaxy. And uh, this is a movie that very much wants to do that. And I can understand that not being the easiest thing to handle. Uh, but there are a lot of choices that are made by these characters that I ultimately really appreciated because of the film finding ways for each of them to have different kinds of arcs. Uh, they're not all unique from each other. They're not all unpredictable. But I still like that the movie doesn't make things simple. Uh, there, there's a way to make this a, you know, a pretty easy good versus bad type of thing, but I do like there's more consideration beyond just that. Um, so like all of that stuff really intrigued me. Also, the movie looks great. I mean, it's <laughs> there's like I, I like to pick out uh, Thor: The Dark World, given that it's the black sheep of the Marvel family, because it's one of the best shot Marvel movies, because that's when they used to actually go to locations and not just shoot in Atlanta. Um, and this one is a movie that's shot on locations and not just Atlanta, which I really appreciate. Um, it's, a, it's a really good-looking movie. It does a lot of things that you'd expect from a, a Chloe Zhao film. It has a lot of uh, shots at twilight and people in silhouettes and vast vistas and landscapes and the backgrounds of people having uh, quiet words with each other. All that stuff really worked for me. Uh, so this movie, I like it quite a bit. I do think it has its share of issues that we can talk about. Uh, but and among other reasons that it works, I do think it you know is a... It's the kind of stuff, yes, that I would prefer to see a series like this take as opposed to just giving me more origin stories that are uniformly the same, even though we just saw Shang-Chi, which we thought kicked ass. So I don't know what to say anymore. Right. So. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I think one of the things about Shang-Chi versus this one, because I thought about that, too, and I thought about um, other movies that had uh, a quick origin that they needed to get across, something like you have to Marvel or even a Black Widow. Is I think that the villain was maybe a little bit more defined, and this is not to say that oh, a lot the, more defined. Yes, Tony yeah, Long I mean, was a lot more defined than Spaghetti Monster. <laughs> right, and, and this is not to say that like you know the concept of what's happening here isn't interesting, because I agree with you that you know the world ending because of the need to have a celestial is present. That's a cool. That's a, that's an interesting concept, and we've learned who celestials are through that the cinematic universe, uh, and we kind of understand that. They do need to come here, and there is a point where Kumail kind of, or I don't know who says it, maybe it's some, maybe it was Barry, but um, I think that there was like a point where somebody had said like, well, you know, we should, shouldn't we exchange hundreds of millions of lives for like multi-billion lives? And that's an interesting question to ask yourself, especially from Marvel movie no less. But I think that some of the characters from, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the villains in this one are just. I kind of got confused at times, too, because I was like, are there more than one? And why does it have, like, human capabilities now? Like, I, I just wasn't really sure what I was watching on that front. I mean, that sounds like you need to pay more attention. <laughs> no, I, I got it, but it was just more of, um, you know, like, were you trying to complicate, or does it seem overly complicated to some degree? I suppose. I mean, it's just the the villains seem like, a, not as an afterthought, but more of a... If we're, talking, if we're talking villains, where it's like what the like antagonistic threat in this film? Like, yeah, the um, the deviants and and because uh, the deviants are just like a means to it, an it's end. It's the deviants. It not, like. no, I'm not talking about like uh, other things know, that happen. Like, like a Brickman. 
<laughs> the, the other celestial. Yeah, no, I mean yes. the, the deviants are just they're just like stuff to fight, and I I can agree that I would agree that they just kind of they're there, but they don't have much to define them beyond like one that grows more powerful for reasons that are explained. But it's like yeah, they're just kind of, they're they're there so you can have action scenes, which mm-hmm. is again it's a Marvel movie. I mean I get that you want action scenes, but it's it, it just. I, I don't know what the I don't know what the thing is to do differently in that regard because you have to deliver a certain kind of thing because it's not like I say like this movie would have been better if it was only philosophical conversations because that's ridiculous for an MCU movie at yeah. the same time why not <laughs> but that's not the step that you know a two hundred million dollar <laughs> movie is gonna make right so Maxwell well, what yeah, about you it, Maxwell because... where, where, where are you with like how they use villains in this film well okay so we're we're sort of not spoilery yet right yeah. Yeah, we're not in full-on spoiler mode yet, yeah. So, the villains that I'm going to talk about now are fine. I thought the design of the monsters was pretty cool. I always like monsters, and, you know, there are some good action scenes there. But I would argue that this is a movie not really about villains. What I, what I did like about it is it sort of deconstructs the tropes and myths of superheroes. Sure. And the best conflict in the movie comes from disagreements over approach to being beholden to one's mission or manifesto. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, it, it has some elements of Watchmen or some elements of what Zack Snyder tried to do and didn't fully succeed in Batman versus Superman. Um, and I was not surprised to read an interview with Chloe Zhao where she said the superhero movie that most inspired her was Man of Steel because okay both visually and in its approach to characters, one character in particular felt very much like doing a Superman movie. There's even reference to the fact that this character reminds him of Superman. I think this is the first time in the MCU movie where a DC character has been specifically mentioned. Um, So in terms of like the out and out villains, eh, not that great, especially after when Wu was so great um, earlier this year. And Marvel has been, I think on an upward trend with villains, but Like I was saying, the actual meat and conflict of the movie that worked and was interesting, the interpersonal dynamics between this admittedly very large team of new characters we had two and a half hours to get to know was really interesting, especially as more information is parsed out and different people have different perspectives and opinions on how to do their job. Right. So I don't even hmm. mind that the villains were not that great because what ultimately ends up happening is more interesting than an archetypal villain anyways, if that makes sense. No, it does. I I agree with what you're saying. I think – because I've been trying to, like, narrow down, like, what is it that, like, holds me back from embracing this more? And maybe, yes, subsequent viewings will just make it increase in my mind, if anything. Uh, But I I guess it might come down to – those conversations and who's who's really having an impact as far as how is it landing because uh, you have certain ones that have a lot to say or have strong opinions or have arcs or have storylines that I, I really feel for or get something out of where others less so uh, there, there are characters that make certain decisions that just kind of like come out of nowhere don't have much to offer beyond a thing and then are like immediately kind of pushed away where others i really i really did appreciate i really walked away thinking okay i I really like the stance that was taken let alone the result of said stance and it's it's a hard thing to balance in a movie that has you know 10 main characters (laughs) so i i feel like that's that's like the issue um how i i hate to be that guy who's like this is what i would have done if i made this movie because i am a big proponent for you know, critiquing something in its own context. Mm -hmm. That being said, 
I can't help but feel like this is really two movies in one. And had it been presented as such, it could have made everything richer. So like I mentioned the structure earlier. So there's all these flashbacks to like many years prior when the Eternals were. And it goes throughout all of these like notable events in history and shows how the Eternals were involved in them. And then the other sort of meat of the movie is present day where they're dealing with the, you know, the villains and, and all this stuff now. And I almost found the flashbacks more interesting because that's, I felt where you really got to get to know these characters, how they worked as a team, what their strengths and powers are, what their interdynamics are. If this had been two movies, one building up the team in the flashback scenes, and then it sort of ends with a cliffhanger where it like flashes forward to now and they have to like get the team back together and fight this threat. It might've been better. Cause I think the big flaw for me of this movie is every time I felt like I was finally getting to know these characters it would have to jump to something else because there's yeah. so much meat it's juggling in. It's a long movie, but still, 10 brand new characters is a lot. Yeah, and one of the things I and, noted... And Chloe was... Jaw is not Paul Thomas Anderson or Robert Altman, <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think... she still has the trappings of having to have action scenes and then the MCU stuff where they talk about Thanos and Tony right. Stark and stuff. Around so a run table, no less. It's a lot of shit in one movie. Yeah, the editing was something that I picked up on early, and I was like, I, this editing feels a little bit weird to me, and it feels choppy, and not that it wasn't done, but it, uh, I had read that it, it, I think that Chloe had final edit on this too, uh, but it was just, it seemed as though there was a lot of story to tell, so I agree with you, Maxwell. That should lead us into, like, talking about some of these characters, because we have so many of them, and they obviously make an impact on where we lead throughout the story. Uh, Michael, what, what, who were some of like, the standout like character, the Eternals in this film for you? The standout one uh, characters for me um, were um, was that Gemma Chan's Cersei. Mm-hmm. Um, she has this, you know, reluctant kind of um, leadership. Uh, she's been so reluctant to take on the leadership role. Um, but when she gets further into the mystery, I guess, of what's going on and um, the, the history behind the Celestials or, or the, yeah, the Celestials themselves, um, she she begins to show more of her, um, more that she's more capable of being a hero despite, you know, not being the strongest or not being having the most flashiest of powers, I guess per se. Other characters, uh, Fastos was also an interesting character. Um, Fastos, Brian Tyree Henry's character. By entire Henry process, yeah, because he is this invent, he's just a great inventor, and you see him do all these things like, or try to introduce all these inventions that are either too fast for humanity or just way too complex for them. So he goes from like steam engine, it's like, but the other ones, like the other celestials or uh, other eternals, like, you know, that's too much, let's reel it in back, and you can see this kind of frustration on his face. But at the same time, when it flashes back to, you know, other things, you can see how how, how much suffering he goes through because his um, inventions are misused, I guess, in a way. And I, I, I kind of wish that we saw a little more of that. And that's, that's more to Max's point um, about this being, you know, this could have been like two films instead of one film just going into it um, 11 introducing 11 characters fleshing their um, everything out from them in two hours is just not enough um, I would go as far as saying this probably would have been better off as a Disney plus series mm. um, just 
you can probably introduce, you know, each character in pairs, I, I guess, so to speak, um, with, you know, Gilgamesh and Athena, uh, not Athena, Athena going <laughs> off in exile. <laughs> yes, there, there's, a, there's a bit about that um, Athena, Athena joke. But, um, but yeah, when I saw them go off, it's like, okay, and then they just come, they just come back sort of, sort of thing um not they come back they the the turtles find them and all but they, it was just so much um time that they had to delineate between all these other characters that like it could have been uh, a disney plus series like just give them an hour each sort of thing to see what's happened since they landed on earth and what they've been doing and how time has you know affected them all since they landed and such so, yeah not to push too hard on this you know i want to talk about the characters i i hear you and i've heard this before as far as like a disney plus series being able to satisfy having so many characters you know given that disney's been like dumping money into all of these it's like sure it would probably look expensive i do think that having eternals as the movie it is with its imax scenes and everything that does speak to the scale the film's trying to get across and i, I just don't think you get that out of a disney plus show I don't think I don't think no, you, no doubt I, I don't think you get a shot no. of you know Circe or Ajax looking at that giant celestial and looking microscopic by comparison mm-hmm. and getting that same feeling out of it and it's and I, I understand what you're saying you know I I get what you're saying as far as like yeah we have a lot of there's a lot of stuff here and there's a there's a lot of story of, yeah uh-huh. and. And you can flesh and you can flesh that out, and in you know a four six episode run of of episodes of television, I I completely understand that, but I I think the trade off there is you really get an impact of how how meaningless we are, how big like the the galaxy is, and how big these select how much these things matter, and like the weight of these decisions that these characters are trying to make, and and oh. and yeah. uh, and and to get to get to my where where I'm coming from with some of these characters. Uh, like there, there's none that I like, abs, you know, am against. Like I think all of them are doing the job, and they're all like, you know, interesting in their own ways. I, I was huge on, on. He's using Don Lee as his name here. So Don Lee, he has a, his, his name, in his Korean roles is different. But Don Lee is Gilgamesh. He was great as that brawler and trained to Busan. So I've been looking forward to seeing like what he's going to do in a Marvel movie, and he does the same thing. He becomes a brawler again, who's also incredibly sympathetic, just like he wasn't trained to Busan. So good for him. I I really liked Gilgamesh. I liked learning about his like the, the it's neat to see like him and even um Kamiya Nanjani as Kingo. They're like they're in like the action squad side of the Eternals. Even like they're divided in half. Like there's the more thought-driven side and there's the ones that are kind of more men of action or people of action and i i like that the those two in particular they're not they're like of action but they're also the most deep thinking it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of humanity within them um beyond just being like tough people um they have they have a lot of their mind as far as how to accept the things that are going on and what kind of decisions to make and how to care for certain others uh, that I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Nanjiani, of course, is very funny because why wouldn't he be? He's a comedian in a Marvel movie. Um, so in addition to getting ripped it, for this role, he's just, well, he has a lot I going was going to mention that. It's so funny to me how his like fitness journey was chronicled throughout mm-hmm. and like he barely fights and doesn't take off his shirt. So yeah. I was <laughs> like, oh, you did that for I hope yourself, I hope. He still gets to do finger guns a lot, which is really cool. I he really does. like his power. <laughs> Listen, in terms of the characters and the cast, I uh-huh. think the cast is great. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the standout to me was probably uh, Barry Keon as Drew. Boom! Thank you, Maxwell. 
I thought he was fascinating. I thought his character was going to go a certain way, both because of certain comic books and also because I know Barry Keegan as an actor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I thought Druig was, he just has this larger than life, almost ethereal quality, even to his physicality and the way he walks that I loved. But I thought Gemma Chan was a great sort of entry point for this film and she brought a lot of humanity to it. Um, and Brian Tyree Henry is just a scene stealer. And yeah. in terms of representation, uh, you know, I know a lot has been brought up about the fact that he's really the first gay superhero in an MCU film. And that could have felt like fan service or, you know, really shoddily done. But I actually thought it was handled beautifully. His relationship with his husband and as a father just felt really natural and authentic. It it felt just like a, a strong piece of this movie, and I love that that aspect of it. It comes um, it on, com- on top it, of the fact it, it comes from I think Zhao's ability to you know show intimacy without like showing intimacy. Like it just feels natural in the same way that I, I believe we've all appreciated and, about the writer and and uh, Nomadland. Right, and the fact that his husband is played by Haas Sliman, like the fact that he's an Arab gay character is not lost on me either, because in those countries. A lot of them, this movie is banned because in in Arabic countries, homosexuality is far more taboo than it is here. So adding that extra layer to it, I loved. In terms of representation in general, this film has like the first deaf superhero. Even if you look at like uh, Brian Tyree Henry and Don Lee, you have like some thick, some thick daddy superheroes. Like everything (laughs) is covered from top to bottom that you could want. Um, in terms of representation and because I think like you said Aaron of Chloe's humanity and intimacy it doesn't feel like tokenism it doesn't feel like it's there to be there this feels like a group that's just natural and works together and represents the best of of thousands and thousands of years of creation and humanity and and all the different types of people that walk this earth and walk the galaxies above as these characters are not human obviously Abe, I want to hear your characters. I and just a yeah. real because I, I I assume Druig is one of them. My only thing about Druig is I wanted to know more about him. <laughs> that was that's what held me back. I hear you. Like yeah. I I don't I, I don't dislike him. I think he's I think Barry Keegan yeah. is very good in the role, and I like the different the ways his character goes. But I just yeah. I I felt like I want more of this guy. <laughs> like I need more of sure. this. He comes yeah. in pretty late in the game to get more of him. Right. And and Barry Keegan is the guy that I think had the most steady ship in the movie like his character has the most steady ship because you have Gemma Chan and you have like Richard Madden and and everybody else who kind of has to like give you exposition and tell you things about the Eternals and why things may or may not have happened but Barry Keegan's just like dude I came here for a reason and now I don't really know if I believe in this reason and I'm just gonna go and and you guys told me to go live my own life and I did and here I am just like making people like do things in a very harmonious way uh but I think that Barry Keegan, uh, Maxwell, to your point, I watched The Green Knight, and uh, he's not—he's not the best—he's not the best character in The Green Knight, but um, I, I really appreciated that he basically understood the assignment to use today's modern lingo, right? The other character I really liked was—I uh, um, forget her name, but she's the deaf character, um, Lauren Ridloff. Lauren Ridloff. Yeah. But what is her character's Macari. name? Makari. 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 I thought that she was fantastic. It was a—it was a. And, to be honest, like their relationship is great as well, um, where they kind of like hint at things. But I really appreciated that um, she was there on the screen, and then also that everybody else was signing with her as well. Um, and her superpowers are really cool. So 
I think that those two uh, were kind of my standouts. I do like performances from a lot of these folks, and I do like that they had, uh, you know, some character turns and or and or like dramatic things to do. Um, but I certainly thought that sort of those highlights were there. So I, I, I don't agree with, disagree with you guys on, on everybody else. I, I like how the relationships between the Eternals are, aside from Icarus and Cersei, which is like it's meant to be a thing for varying reasons. I, I like that, like, Makari and Druig or Fina and Gilgamesh, there's stuff going on there that the film just doesn't need to, like, tell you more about. I, I, right. I, I like that there you can you can make your own ruling on, like, what kind of relationship is that they have. But the, the, sure. the, the thing that you can tell is these are beings that have been around for in this film thousands of years with each other. C- clearly, like, whatever... Whatever they have, can't. it's not just going to be defined as, oh, yeah, they're boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, it's just it's deeper than that. Like, there's so much more. There's more. There's way more there that you that you just don't need to have words for. And I, I like how, you know, unspoken bonds like mean a lot, I think, to sure. yeah. how Zhao is trying to, like, communicate these these people. Together. And, and, you know, just to pay back off of what you were mentioning earlier, Zhao is a really good people director. Uh, we Again, we've seen that in The Writer and also in Nomadland. So those things didn't come as a surprise to me. And I agree with Maxwell that earlier when you mentioned that the conflict between the team or among the team is the more interesting things about the movie and unfortunately but they're just not maybe um some of them feel a little bit short short uh short strive short short shrift listed yeah short shrifted thank you (laughs) what did you guys think of uh our two uh oscar (laughs) winners and nominees asama hayek and angelina jolie who are you know high profile stars that have Somewhat reduced roles. First of all, Kumail is also Academy Award nominated. He is, but we talked about Um, (laughs) So I actually I want to talk about Angelina because one of my trepidations going into this movie, uh, knowing it's a big ensemble, is that she was going to try and steal the scenes and like become larger than life and walk away with the movie. And to her credit, she really sort of seamlessly just blends in with the ensemble. Mm -hmm. I don't I didn't love her character, not because of her, but because I found the writing sort of flat for her character and some of what was going on I thought was underdeveloped, but she does a nice job. Selma Hayek also has a smaller role than I expected, but I thought she was really, really good. I agree. Um, She's like, she's clearly like the mother figure for like this group. Yeah. And I I think she really channeled that energy well. And that's why uh, in the flashback scenes where you really get to see her leading the team and like being the mother, I love that because I thought she did a great job. You know, she is not old, but she is, you know, uh, a more mature actress now than she was 15 or 20 years ago. And I think she's able to bring that level of maturity and growth and experience. And and she felt very much like a natural leader of this very large team. It speaks to how these are all representatives of like various forms of myths and superheroes and what have you throughout history and various forms of media where you have someone like Salma Hayek's Ajax, which is like a Gaia type figure. Uh, compared to like Icarus as Superman or mm-hmm. or Fina as Athena or Gari as what like Helios or the Flash like I mean there's there's so many like things you can point to the Greek gods or what have you and I I do like how you as you learn more about these characters you learn more about them specifically you can and they even reference some of these things right as far like you mentioned the Superman thing you, like Icarus comes up as well as far as it's Greek what that story is like there's there's calls that there's call outs to like what they could be but i like seeing the characters like embody those things and like you can 
kind of form certain ideas like oh okay that's that's who this person is that's what this person represents or whatnot i, I just thought that stuff's neat i just there's a lot of neat stuff in that regard i thought it was neat but i thought it was also a little bit like muddy sometimes too because um they have to basically say like well you know everything that you heard is actually us and so if you were to like put on your 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 sleuth cap of just like well no, i thought that this was how could this have happened and that it's like well well, it's not literal. It was just the Eternals. <laughs> Isn't it, though? In terms of what? In terms of, like, events that transpired in the world or what the yeah. character... Well, that and that's that's a different subject. I'm just speaking more to just, like, what mythical figures or people they represent in life or whatnot. In terms of, like, how they're involved in the universe, yes, I agree, as far as making excuses for them not doing certain things. Like, all right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like we could have had some interference in some of the things that were going on in the realm. Of oh, yeah, <laughs> only if deviants are involved. <laughs> right, only if deviants are involved. I had a question for you guys around uh, the score, which I didn't know was Ramin. Um, but what do you guys think of like the score of this movie? I, I like that he finally returned to the MCU after 25 other movies after Iron Man, and was like, you know what? <laughs> I was just say I love this score. I think it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, it's not lost on me that we have. A movie scored by him with Richard Madden and Kit Harrington and uh-huh. a female character named Cersei. <laughs> it's like, what is happening here? Right. <laughs> am I watching a movie or am I watching a TV series? Game of Celestial Thrones? I don't know. It it is something I like about but, the it, it's something I like about the, the flashback scenes or like the you know because it's like this you get this this eternals theme that comes into play whenever they're like in action which is what the flashbacks largely serve as like to show them in their prime or whatever <laughs> fighting the deviants and i liked it i i dug that it had like its own i haven't heard it enough to be like i, okay, I can hum this theme but I, I i enjoyed it i was listening to the score the other night and i always think that listening to a score out of context is the best way to to critique it and it, it is really lovely it's 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 one of the stronger MCU scores, I think, because I think scores have not always been the strong suit of the MCU, and this nope. one's quite... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it helps that you have 10 characters, so you have to give them all themes, right? <laughs> so you have, like, a chance to really play with that. Yeah, I agree. Not, a, not as interesting as having bagpipes in your sci-fi movie, but pretty good still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crescendoing into, like, a huge loud score is great. It's great. I've seen that By the way, three before I forget, you know who else is great in this movie? Um, Harish Patel as uh, Kingo's valet. Like I, I, yes. thought, I, I thought he was yes. great. I, I, I really liked him. Yeah, I mean he provides like the human vehicle because everybody here is a celestial. So. Like a, a, a lesser movie would make him just a punchline, and and this one does not. It has things for him well, to he, do. He's, yeah, he's given like one of the, the more emotional goodbyes as well. So. How many cameras did that man have exactly? He's got to have at least six. That's my hero right there. <laughs> I'm thinking you always six. prepare that guy. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, they've destroyed some really expensive equipment as well. Yeah, but you should see his TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak more to some of these some of these characters as far as how they interact with the plot line. Because I, we haven't talked much about Richard Madden as Icarus um, and the, the fact that he's this kind of Superman analog. I do agree. I think, Maxwell, you were pointing this out as far as how he, re- you know, Zoe, Zoe Chow... Chloe, Chloe Zhao, <laughs> said it backwards. <laughs> Chloe Zhao, because yeah, I'm trying to talk about Superman and, Z- and, and Zack Snyder was on my mind, so I'm first the words. It's pretty good then. <laughs> Chloe, Chloe Zhao, uh, having this as Man of Steel like an inspiration for one thing, good on Eternals for being better than Man of Steel, uh, but also I, um, <laughs> I like how it plays with that iconography, the idea of of 
you know, a man that flies and has laser beams for eyes. Um, I, I think there's some really interesting work there done to, you know, turn the image of Superman on its head in various ways, as far as how he's being shot specifically in a world that's, you know, somewhat, you know, grounded to the extent that it can be in a world where there's celestials outside of the universe. But it, it was, I found, I found that to be neat seeing, you know, if you have, a, if you're telling me there's a movie here that has all these characters with different superpowers and one in particular can fly and has super strength and can shoot lasers out of his eyes, obviously that brings certain kinds of thoughts to mind. I like how the, this leads, I guess, back to the, the cinematography from Ben Davis. There's, there's some really interesting shots to like show what that is, and we, and it just made me think we've come a long way since like Donner Superman as far as how you can see a man fly, and watching Icarus like enter into screen or not when he's floating and stuff. I just all that stuff was really, really neat to me. Yeah, I mean, like from the from the technical side, I, I thought that was really well done too. Like the way that he kind of just like can float in, and I was like, well, I'm sure that there's wire work here, but it looks really well done. Um, and I'm glad that it wasn't just like CG the way that he could fly into a scene, whether it's in the forest or in space or what have you. Um, so I thought that was we have come a long way. He does look a little bit more seamless now. Uh, obviously, his legs can't move anywhere because he, he threw off his balance. But uh, kudos to the team. This is a long film. Did you guys have an issue with like the pacing of it all? Like I, I know we've talked about kind of story. Con- uh, well, I talked about some of the editing. Happened. Like I don't know if the pacing really came into play necessarily. I mean, pacing is the pacing. I would agree with Maxwell that the earlier, like the inner the interludes of how they handled Mesopotamia or how they handled like um, Babylon, Babylon or, or Tenochtitlan or whatever else. Like yes, that stuff was interesting, but. I had no real problem with the pacing. I had kind of more problem with the editing. I guess I wonder, like, because you're walking into a Chloe Zhao film, you 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 know what her films are like already. Yeah. Like, is there an expectation there based around <laughs> I, her films or around Marvel films? I am not surprised at the the sort of I hate to bring it up, but like the cinema score for this, because in a lot of ways it does feel like a Chloe Zhao film. It is deliberately paced. It is not the whiz-bang non-stop button that many Marvel movies are. Um, and so I get it. Like, in the interest of, of honesty, I was like eh, 20 hours removed from my booster vaccine shot. <laughs> there were a few moments where I was struggling to, like, keep my eyes open. I did. Fair. And I don't consider it a discredit to the film i was just not in my full capacity because that booster shot gone and done fucked me up still get it i advocate <laughs> to get it yeah. the side effects are much better than dying of covid but anyways um it is a slow-paced movie in a lot of ways even the climax which is you know a standard action climax does not operate with the same pace as most marvel movies I, because uh, I'm, it I'm takes the time to stop shot. and have the characters talk what yeah, I'm envious that you got your booster shot, and I would agree with you on the on the Chloe Zhao-ness of it. I actually, Aaron, to answer your question, I was actually anticipating like an even slower movie. Okay. Uh, I was, and I was like, well, I guess that uh, we can move fast, and I guess maybe like, uh, you know, Kevin Feige and and the team were like, we have to make this a little bit more like cut, 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 cut. But I would have, I would, I would have basked in spending time with these Eternals one by one by one. With like for like thirty five minutes each, you know what I mean? It's a long movie. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not thirty five. Um, well, and in kind of direct opposition to the the, the relaxed pacing, because we're getting a lot of characters that are having you know conversations with each other. How about how about the the way action is used here in the different like 
you know, superpowers in action and their combinations, what have you. Michael, any, any, any thoughts on how, how we see the action on display here? The action was kind of interesting to me in terms of execution because, um, like, you had to spread out all the, all the different powers and how each of the characters utilize them um, and then give them their moments to shine. So I, I don't want to try to get too spoilery, but you get to see, like, we're talking about Gilgamesh using his, um, Donnie using his um, boxing training to, you know, amplify um, Gilgamesh's strength, overall strength. Um, you see um, Makari's super speed, so to speak. And um, a lot of the times, especially um, during that final action sequence, it can get a little confusing and hard to follow. But in a way, it, it just, it had, um, Chloe Zhao had to, work with what she got basically and she was basically dealt with um an impossible set of cards that she had to work with because there are so many characters to go around and but i think she did she did a the best job possible basically that's all how i want to put it um yeah max how about you any highlights from seeing the eternals in action in some of the flashback scenes i enjoyed how they had like a clear dichotomy of how their different powers worked and how they sort of would use them in, in to enhance each other like they felt like a very cohesive unit as opposed to say the avengers who were very selfish in their fighting <laughs> yeah um or the guardians of the galaxy who are just a godforsaken mess like they had a very clear understanding of how to tackle things like i'm trying to remember was it I can't remember which one that I was super impressed um, with, with how they all, you know, work together as a team. Yeah. I thought, you know, I would like to see more of that. Like, I, I hope we see these characters again. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more of like how, we, you know, for one thing, I'd like to see more Eternals, more Eternals out there. I want to see what other powers do they have? Like what else is going on? Right. But I, I think that's kind of like where it gets kind of like convoluted of just, I have to give you some exposition, and also give you a show of my powers, but everybody has to do that, and so it kind of just becomes a little bit clunky. I do like, um, apparently super speed just always looks cool. Like, every movie yes. I see super speed in, it seems like they, they got that down. Like, so I'm, I'm very satisfied of how Makari's super speed abilities, how they play out in this film. Like, there's some mm -hmm. interesting usages of it, as well as ones that are uh, beneficial to, you know, human, the humans that are around all of this stuff that's happening, which I, you know, mm -hmm. it's nice to appreciate. I was just saying, I always like super speed movies, too, and it's always interesting to see how different directors and BFX teams decide to visualize it. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Um, I mean, anything else I have in my notes here? I don't think I've covered everything I'd want to talk covered about. Covered a lot. Yeah. I mean, I here's, like, because it's... It, it goes into like it's not it doesn't need to be a spoilery spoilery answer, but I I guess I wonder like do you, do you have firm stances on like who's correct like when you walk like not, you don't need to tell me if like I definitely think this person was right but I mean when you walk away from this film like you know going off of who has what kind of opinion like did you did you feel like I def I you know I definitely side of a certain thing in all of this or. I'm just happy that this conversation was happening to begin with. I will say that for me, I definitely sided with one point of the argument, but to the credit of the writing of the motivations of the differing sides, it's not one of those where I'm like, I can't understand or imagine how anyone would feel the opposite way. I think it did a good job of playing both sides and explaining why the individuals feel that way. 
um, which is always the best villains or arguments. You could sort of understand where they're coming from. Michael, how about you? I, I don't want to, you know, repeat what Maxwell said because mm-hmm. he put it so eloquently. But yeah, it, it's it's good that they presented both sides as like valid reasons um, for whatever. What, I'm just going to be big, but for whatever motivation they had or they were leaning towards. Um, yeah. It is the stuff that like most intrigues me, but I like, can't I can't delve further into it. Um, I'll just leave it there. Um, with that in mind, I guess the 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 last thing I'll I'll ask and we can wrap up. Did you have to look up what was going on with the post credit scenes, or were you just set <laughs> with what was there? Which which one? First or second? Either one. Either. <laughs> okay. So okay. For, for the for for the second one, there is a voice that I immediately knew who it was, but yeah. I got into the arguments with other people who strongly disagreed. And then I saw the article and was vindicated. I was like, that's that person's voice. How could you right. think otherwise? But I talked to two other people who had two radically different opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're wrong, so, Maxwell. And racist. Well, they, they were. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of them maybe was. One of them maybe was. Um, uh, in terms of the middle one, I was familiar with that character and think the casting is kind of brilliant. Fair enough. Mike, were you all aboard? I was all aboard with the, the first casting because judging by the reaction, everyone seemed like they were fully on board with it, despite the fact that I bet most of them didn't know who, who that guy was, um, the, the character. But um, in regards to the second one, I was... I didn't know actually at first it's like that that voice sounds familiar but i couldn't put my finger on it and then i was just like oh okay um when i talked to other people it's like yeah that's starting to make sense um that it would be uh that guy and well but it's that's i guess that's an interesting way to uh i guess place him in that in that era i don't want to use a word that would spoil it but yeah place him in there all right. Abe, any other thoughts? Uh, no, uh, but please stay for the credits. I mean, it's always good to, to watch the credits anyway because there's thousands of people that have worked on the movie, but um, you know, Marvel <laughs> makes it so that you have to stay. How about, how about in general on the film? In general on the movie? Yeah. I think that there's a lot of ideas here. Some of them hit, some of them don't, and some of them need to explore, be explored further. There is a Chloe Zhao-ness of the movie, but I think that there also is just a um, – from what I had read – there have been maybe like some struggles um, with the production of this movie, but I uh, I can't wait for what's going to happen next. I mean, I, we've talked about this as well, where the Marvel Cinematic Phase Four is going to go. Here's a question for you: Would you would you want to? Now I doubt you would say no to this, but would you want to see her direct like a sequel to this movie specifically, or would you want to see her take like a smaller group of these characters and see what she can do with that? Maybe the smaller group, uh, but I mean, I don't even know what what's in store for for. Uh, have there been besides like the Russos? Have there been repeat directors? And I guess yeah, uh, we got one uh, one guy Guardians. for all the Spider-Man movies. One yeah, and uh, and and James Gunn and James Gunn and, and Taika is doing the next Thor. I mean, Favreau did two Iron. Favreau did two Iron Man's. Yeah, we got, yeah. got plenty of repeats. Ryan Coogler is coming back for Coogler. Yeah, he's sitting there patiently waiting for people to heal. Waiting, waiting for the <laughs> right to heal up. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility to see, you know, sure. more oh. in all of this. It's, it's really, you know, this is like, because this is like Zhao, she made this movie, 
When did she make? Did she make this movie bef- before Nomadland? Like she shot it. before? She made it before, and then it was in edit when it was like, she yeah, won. it was in post while she was doing Nomadland and yeah. winning an Oscar for and winning Nomadland. an Oscar, which gave her a lot of like cachet. So it's like you know the, the world is hers as far as if she wants to keep you know sticking with Disney or what have you, or you know move on to something else. But certainly curious. What Nomadland two still nomading? Yeah, <laughs> no, Nomad harder. Nomad. Uh, Nomad harder. Ace of nomad, nomad lost. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. What? So Eternals. When should people go and see this movie? It's currently playing exclusively at movie theaters. Uh, Max, when should people see Eternals? I would say see it in theaters as long as you go in understanding it's slower paced than most Marvel movies. I'm all about managing expectations. Mike. Um. Also managing expectations, but be aware if you guys are um. Of the tri- of the thought that you have to see it in a theater, um, especially a film of this size, see it on IMAX as soon as possible because there are a lot of other films coming along the way that will immediately um, take it out of the schedule. Of the, yeah. 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 I from our old really rating, I would say that this is a dollar theater, and this is not to take away from what Maxwell and, and Michael mentioned, but I think that there are like story things and also some character things that. I would um, say detract from like a hundred percent cohesive movie. I um, can acknowledge the various flaws that the film has, but at the same time, <laughs> I, I I've heard people uh, talk about like the Matrix people saying like, oh, no more imagination out there as they're like waiting to see Eternals, the twenty six Marvel movie. So it's just like, <laughs> I mean, well, at least they're seeing this. But what I like is that it's different. It is trying to do something. Yeah. Uh, marching to the beat of its own drum. Now, it is still a Marvel movie. Like I, uh, like I, I don't think this is necessarily far beyond what we've seen before. Uh, but at the same time, I like that it's ambitious, and that should be something that should be appreciated and certainly recognized on screen. That's a reason to go and see this in a movie theater. Like it has the scale, it has the stuff there that you want to see, and I, I'd like to think that that should be just as enough of a good reason to see this as you've seen any other Marvel films that you've had to enjoy. So yeah, all right, that's been our review for. Eternals. Uh, let's move on now. Let's um. Let's get to what time is it here? It's time for my favorite segment, games. Little known fact, that's actually the the song that you play when you want to contact Sprite. We didn't talk at all about Sprite, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys like Sprite? Yeah, your name. She's fine. Listen, all I'm gonna say is Sierra Mist done and fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to make a Sierra Mist joke, too, but yeah, it's fine. It's okay. All right. Well, I have a game Yeah. Uh, for you guys this week. Uh, it is, of course, called uh, Avengers Assemble. Uh, okay. This is a Marvel Cinematic Universe trivia game. I'm going to ask a series of questions, and you just have to answer said question. If you feel you know the answer, say your name, and then the answer. All these questions are very much themed around, that's right, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I'm curious which ones of these will turn out to be hard and which ones of these won't, uh, but we're going to find all that out right now. Here's the first question. Nick Fury wears an eye patch over which eye? Abe. Yeah, Abe? Left eye. Good job. You're on the board. <laughs> Here's the next one. Thor's Mjolnir is made from the metal of a dying what? Maxwell. Maxwell? Star? It is a star. You're correct, yeah. You're on the board. Here's the next one. In what town was Wanda's Hex located? Mike. Uh, 
Michael. Westview. Westview is correct. West, what nice. state? <laughs> Do you know the state? New Jersey. It is New Jersey. Okay. Double know. points? <laughs> no, but he got he, he got the he got the town. That was the question. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the next one. All on the board. Got a close game so far. Who said, "What is grief if not love preserving?" Maxwell. Maxwell. Vision. It is vision. You guys, you guys, you guys are all gonna know these answers. You got to be quicker. That's all. Here's the next one. Who is the firstborn child of Odin? Maxwell. Maxwell. Hela. Hela is the correct answer. There you go. Yeah, I was like, this is a trick question. Do I lose points for bad pronunciation? No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You're just you're encouraged to do it more. But I didn't answer a state. <laughs> you didn't have to. I just asked if you knew. Okay. Here's the next one. What type of doctor is Doctor Strange? Abe. Maxwell. Abe. Mike. Abe. He's a medical doctor. He's a medical doctor. That's not the correct answer. What? Maxwell. Maxwell. Uh. Oh God, he's a surgeon. Okay. Is he a? Is he a? I was gonna say plastic surgeon, but I think is he a cardiac surgeon? Incorrect. Mike. Mike for the steal. A general surgeon? Uh, no. He is, <laughs> he is a neurosurgeon. General. Oh, god I mean, damn it. But before that, he's a medical is it doctor. Brain or heart? It, what, yeah. what, is, what does medical doctor mean? He's a doctor. Instead of a philosophical doctor, he's a medical doctor. I know that he was a surgeon, but, you know, his profession is a medical doctor. <laughs> anyway. Medical surgeon. Okay, well, you all got it wrong. Uh, the next question is <laughs> one point for me. There you <laughs> I'm go. on the board. Neurosurgeon. Wait, no, don't you have two? Didn't we get? Didn't we get another one wrong? No, we all got you. You were all doing great until just now, and you all t- did terrible. That's, that's what yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna go now. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I know. I'll take his point. This has been this fun, is, but I didn't. Yeah. This is why Maxwell hasn't been on for a while. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Where did Peggy tell Steve she wants to meet him for a dance? Ooh. I'm trying to think of the exact name now because you won't accept some. You should. Hair. You should think of the exact name because that's the answer to the question. <laughs> Abe. Abe. Bill Bixby's Barnyard Bonnaroo. Yeah, none of that's right. Mm, could have been right. Uh, Maxwell. Maxwell. The Stork Club? The Stork Club is the correct answer. There you go. Yeah. I had to really go back there. And I was thinking, is it the Night Stork Club or is it the Stork Club? <laughs> Here's the next one. Thor played what video game in Avengers Endgame? Maxwell. Michael. Fortnite. Fortnite is the correct answer. <laughs> he was yelling at that one player. Yeah. Here's the next one. Hawkeye has how many children? Maxwell. Maxwell. Two? Incorrect. Qua? Uh, Mike. Michael? Three? Three is the correct answer. Abe. Four. <laughs> okay, Wait, so Abe loses a point. Who are his three kids? There's the little one, the bigger one, and the bigger one. The <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, you're right. You're, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Now, now I, I can remember the scene, the barbecue scene now, where Babe goes away. I hate this game. <laughs> Here's the next one. 
whose power exceeds that of the Sorcerer Supreme? Exceeds the Sorcerer Supreme power? Whose power, quote, exceeds that of the Sorcerer Supreme? Um, Maxwell? Maxwell. Scarlet Witch? It is the Scarlet Witch. Oh. Ooh. Here's the next one. Hmm? Uh, four more. What is Carol Danvers' nickname for Monica Rambo? Abe. Abe? Ace. In- <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> what's, a, what's a cool pilot name? Ace. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking uh, about this. Maxwell. Yeah. Lieutenant Trouble. That is correct. Wow, nice. It's taking me time, but I'm figuring it out. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. way better than Ace. A few more. What is Tony Stark's daughter's name? Maxwell. Maxwell. Michael. Morgan? It is Morgan. Okay. All right. I was like, Forrest? But no. You have to like Mugumba, right? <laughs> Forrest Stark. <laughs> No, that's not right. Here we go. Let me 5,000. Okay. That's not right either. (laughs) What (laughs) necklace does Peter buy for MJ in Spider-Man Far From Home? Maxwell. Maxwell. A black Dahlia. It it is a black Dahlia. Okay, last question. What For 20,000 points? (laughs) Not quite. Okay. (laughs) What elective class did Thor take on Asgard? Maxwell. Maxwell? Groot language? Yes, he learned to speak Groot. <laughs> that is correct. I Maxwell to be- ran away with it. Listen, I compete in movie trivia, so I should have done okay, and I did. Hey, you're all Marvel fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, Maxwell. as I read out the score, hey, Abe. Let me, let me read out the scores here. Okay, don't oh, be oh, jumping ahead. Could have been Michael. Michael. I, don't jump, I don't jump out in your games. <laughs> let me read the scores. First up, Abe, you tied with me with one point. Yes! <laughs> but the game if the master. Games Master gets a point, something is amiss. <laughs> Michael, you came in second place with three points, but Maxwell, you are a winner this week with nine points. You were you oh, assembled with the Avengers. House. Good job. That was games. For the game. Let's uh, let's move on now to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash now podcast. We ask a number of questions to the listeners and they give us some answers. And uh, yeah, so let's do this. First question is, what's your favorite example of a film based on previously established characters you had never heard of? Chris has Guardians of the Galaxy. Todd has Guardians of the Galaxy. Yancey has certainly any movie based on existing Book one has never heard of must count, so I don't know. Full Metal Jacket, sure. Michael Maxwell, any uh, any favorite uh, films based off like stuff that's out there that you just never knew about before, such as The Eternals? Gosh, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of stuff. Um, I'll say something first. I I, I haven't um what was that it, Aquaman from one of mine. I, I I knew of just like that character alone, but. Mm-hmm. Not the larger mythology itself. Sure. So when James Wan's film came about, I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty pretty cool stuff. Good one. Um, it, it might be recency bias, but I absolutely loved Dune. And other than knowing it existed, I hadn't read the book. I hadn't seen the Lynch movie. I didn't know anything about it. 
Mm-hmm. See, I, I had uh, seen the Lynch movie, and I still felt like I didn't know much about it, and I also loved it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it works multiple ways. Yeah. I, I mean, like, you could answer it literally, like, like I could answer Jurassic Park because I had never read the book and wasn't familiar yeah, with but... it, and I love that movie. Like, there's any, you know, a yeah, million answers. Yeah, there's any number of, like, novels and stuff. Like, I don't, yeah. It's more like things that you've heard about but, like, never really knew anything about. And then it's like, oh, okay, this yeah. is what this well, is. there's a really movie like about this. it now. Yeah. yeah. Like, like yeah. If you, to, go, to go off Aquaman, Michael, like, Shazam is a good example for me. Like, I know nothing about Shazam, but that movie oh, rocks. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a great example. Yeah. All right. Next question. What are your favorite extreme examples of performers transforming themselves into superheroes? Todd Liebenow, friend of the show, writes, Michael Keaton as Batman. He was pretty much known for just comedy before that. And Nate adds, James McAvoy in Wanted. Did he get super jacked for that movie? For Wanted? Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. he's like coming out of wax baths, all with like his six abs and everything. I, my, maybe because he just mentioned this movie, but my inclination was Zachary Levi. Yeah, he got huge. Because he got jacked. And yeah. like, if you would ask me, like, I love him, but if you'd ask me, is Chuck ever going to play a superhero? I'd have been like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Hugh Jackman, he's always posting his Wolverine photos whenever he has to do a movie. Uh, he doesn't do them anymore, though. I didn't see anything from Reminiscence, did you? No. Yeah. Haven't I want to, but I'm, I'll wait for it to re-come on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, that comes out this week, Maxwell. You can uh, be sure to uh, tell us all about watch, it when you watch, see it. Watch anything else. <laughs> 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 I am uh, not going to prioritize it. I'll leave it at that. Uh, how about, uh, I don't know, Alan Cumming as Nightcrawler. That's a lot of transformation, right? Yeah, a lot of makeup. A lot of makeup. Yeah, he hated it, yeah. but uh, but he was great <laughs> he in the movie. He looks great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looks great. He looks great. Uh, I mean, Jason, Mo- Jason Momoa's Aquaman had to grow out his hair and get jacked and put that as tech. Oh, wait, no, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna—I was just gonna say uh, about that Nightcrawler. Like, Cumming looks great as Nightcrawler. Cody Smith McPhee doesn't look great as Nightcrawler. Not so much. No. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> Cody Smith McPhee, you know, looking still very young. I, I just watched the tra- uh, the what, the way of the dog. Um, Power of the, Power dog. the dog. Yeah. Power of the dog trailer. Oh, I was like, I he looks exactly the same. It's because he's so lanky. He's a lanky. Guy. That's that's what makes him look youthful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think so. He's, he's such a string bean. <laughs> Yeah, good point. With a little, 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 with a little boy face. <laughs> yeah, Michael, if you have anything, feel free to just shout it out randomly uh, in the in the show. We love that. Um, <laughs> what are the best romantic pairings in the world of superhero movies? Todd Liebenau writes Clark Kent and Lois Lane, Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder in Superman, Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson, Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst in Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. How about you guys? Any romantic best romantic pairings? Uh, I mean, we mentioned it just recently, but I would say that uh, Zendaya and uh, and um, Tom Holland, uh, Peter Parker, and Mary Jane uh, as well. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh, Captain America and uh, Peggy Carter. Here you go. Meet me at the um, night that, that's, that's it right there for me. So. Uh, Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer. Ooh. Ooh. I also, I really like... Um, Steve and uh, Wonder Woman. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, if we're going animated, Bob and Helen Parr. Of course. Sure. Yeah. We got a family now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one. Who is your favorite team leader in a superhero film? Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes, I'm going with Cap in the first Avengers film. Seeing him take charge of a group of relatively new characters for the franchise, not the comics, obviously, was just perfect. That's a good answer, Adam. 
What was the question? I'm sorry. Favorite team leader in a superhero film. Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, jumping off of Maxwell's last comment, I'm going to add in uh, Helen Parr in Incredibles 2. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman leads a pretty great team. Who leads the Suicide Squad in The Suicide Squad? Is it Elba leading it, or is it Rick Flagg, I guess, for a while by default? I don't know. I don't, I don't like that movie, so I don't care. <laughs> probably, probably Flagg for a little bit, and then it turns into Idris, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. Uh, uh, Takala uh, is a great leader in Black Panther. Sure. For his little team. And in Endgame, I mean, Captain America. Yeah, he says that thing really quietly and they all hear him. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He just whispers it. it and they're all like, yeah, I guess we're supposed to run now. <laughs> Thor's yelling, I guess we're on the move. <laughs> uh, that next one is, the Eternals have a variety of powers, including super speed, shape-shifting, laser eyes, flight, finger guns, among others. Which of their powers would you want to have? Chris writes, you got me on finger guns. Perfect for my dad dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, be careful when you're you know, dancing around children with your finger guns. Which Eternals power would you like to have? Druig's power. It's a good power. So mind control, mind manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. then I could just get everyone to leave me the hell alone when I need a few minutes of <laughs> I'm trying to myself. You would never have any lines ever. You can like, do that with finger no. guns too. <laughs> yeah, but that begins violence. Yeah, I don't want to hurt anyone. I just want to be like, please step away from the counter and let me cut in line. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like you go to you go to Disneyland and you want to go on Radiator Springs Racers and you just have everyone stop and then you move and you're like, I'm here. I w- I waited in line the whole time. You you saw it. They're like, we did, sir. Please enter. Yeah. All the photos are just Maxwell by himself. You're like, how did this guy get on 16 times in a row? He's a Saudi Arabian prince. He rented out the whole park himself. Boom. Um, we talked about Makara. I love super speed, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> also, Athena's powers was like, let me have a, a a laser shield and two weapons. Am I ready all the time? Hey, tell, tell me. Tell, tell me when that would come in handy for you. I want to hear this. When you're walking down a dark alley. How many dark alleys are you walking you're down in these Gotham days? City. <laughs> How many dark alleys are you yeah, walking you're, down? Yeah, you're in Gotham City, and you're like, you know what? I don't feel safe right now. Let me light up my arms. <laughs> so, you, so you want a nightlight. That's, that's what you want. With, with, you know, jagged points on them. You want a pointy nightlight. Got it. <laughs> Michael, what, what power would you want? Okay, I'll, I'll just go, try to, for the sake of being different, I'll just go with Cersei's power just to turn whatever I touch into... Something elemental, I guess. Yep. You can turn a rock into water, or ice. Yeah, yeah sure. Or snow. You've just become air. the last like, airbender. Yeah, let's as well. go talk about snow too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard not to say the whole super speed thing, but finger guns, man. <laughs> I mean, that's and you could like charge up to get like a a, a dukin. Exactly. Maybe just because I'm playing that damn dodgeball <laughs> game on PlayStation so much, but I'm like, yeah, charging up your finger guns it just makes there sense to me. <laughs> All right, last question we have here. What are some great big-budget films that put a huge focus on the scale of humanity? It's mm, a good question. Uh, um, didn't, didn't get any answers offhand here, but my answer automatically goes to Gareth Evans' uh, Godzilla, because that's all about scale, and that's the mm-hmm. reason I really like it. Um, you know, we talked about him earlier, but Roland Emmerich, uh, you know, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Broderick looks so little in that footprint. That's Hank Azaria. 
Well, he gets stepped on. I guess, yeah, Matthew Roderick does, is in a footprint earlier in that film. Because <laughs> there he gets, he's the one that gets, like, stepped on. He's the one that gets, yeah, but then But then it doesn't get stepped on because he's in the in between the toes. Uh, classic Hank Azaria. Anyhow, uh, I mean, we talked about it just last week with Dune, as, or maybe two weeks ago, Dune, great example of, like, scale in movies. Uh, Villeneuve has a great way of doing that, but that's Arrival or Dune. Any others? No? Scale? Uh, scale yeah. of movies? Oh, Rogue One does a pretty good job with scale. Rogue One? Gareth Evans, once again, guy yeah. to scale. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> knows what he's talking about. Is it Edwards? I always get the. It's Edward, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's Gareth Edwards, not Evans. Evans is the raid. Yeah, I was like, I always yeah. get them confused because they're both Gareth. And then Garth Evans is like son of Rambo and um and Hitchhiker's guy. It's like, it's like Gar- Rambo. These GEs wow. are everywhere. Yeah. All right. Well, that ooh, that was out enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that is going to do it for this week's episode about Now Theron and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. You can. Also find me uh, writing reviews on Wheel of Entertainment and WhySoBlue.com. I'm on Variety occasionally and on Twitter at AaronsPS4. Abe? Find more fun stuff for my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose, hashtag SalivaBeer. Uh, Michael Lee, where can people find more of you online? Um, you guys can find me on That's It LA, The Nerds of Color, and We Live Entertainment. At, my handles are uh, at I am Michael J. Lee. Maxwell Haddad, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter at Cinema Maxwell, and uh, when we do stuff, I am one of the hosts on the Off the Rails Network, formerly known as the PJ Campbell Network, over on YouTube. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out and Out There and Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnotpodcast at gmail.com. Write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnotpodcast, or you can send us tweets. Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, follow our Instagram page, Instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Uh, Maxwell, Michael, thank you both for joining us this week. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. For sure. Happy to have you guys on as always. Look forward to having you back again. Uh, next week's show, we have a double episode coming. We'll be talking Belfast and Spencer. Uh, but, but until next time, that's going to do it here. So, so long. And goodbye. Shandar Dastane Icarus. I'm playing you. You like the costume? We need to talk. Tell the director I have some notes for him. We need to talk to you in private.
Oh, Karan, he's worked with me for 50 years. I trust him completely. Actually, when we first met, he thought I was a vampire, and he tried to stake me through the heart. I have apologized so many times. Not quite enough times. Very close, though. I'll let you know. Oh, I have to get ready for the next scene. Come to my tent. We'll talk there.